0: podcast. Let's talk about the weather. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Outcast the podcast on environmental monitoring today we have two special guests, two meteorologists from North America from our team in the United States. These are Victor Casella. Hi Victor: Hello Martin. hope you're doing well thank you I'm doing pretty well, especially because I'm uh, welcoming two of my favorite colleagues and the other one is Sasha Ivans Hi Sasha
1: Hello Martin.
0: you said before we start recording, that you are drowning in snow. Uh, So where exactly do you call us from?
1: From North Logan, Utah. It's very north uh, part of Utah in Cache Valley. We are on the border with with Idaho and got really hit with a lot of snowstorms this year.
0: So snowstorms, one of the challenges this winter. Uh, Victor is from the East Coast. Uh, So you have completely different weather over there. And I am calling from Southern Bavaria, which is suffering from quite low quantity of snow this year. So we're seeing that meteorology is affecting us all and the weather is uh, yeah, it's never the same and it never was, but it's the climate is changing for sure. And this changes the way uh, the scientific community is approaching its work. Um you've Sasha, you've been at the recent meeting of the american meteorological society and one of the focus points they were talking about was the quality of data driving science so let's start with that briefly describe what was your impression from that from that show from that conference
1: so uh, the conference this year was in denver colorado and uh, the location was also pretty significant because uh, the entire west of the United States is really facing uh, this uh, pretty critical change in climate and it's very obvious even to regular joes. So uh, the conference really um, kind of focused on that and uh, on the data quality, how the meteorologists in the day to day business use the data and how accurate the data is. Um, I am uh, lucky to be a member of the uh, American Meteorological Society Instrumentational uh, um, Committee and uh, this committee focuses really on the quality of the instrumentation. And I was lucky to host one session at chair one session at the uh, AMS this year, which was really uh, focusing on the quality of the instrumentation, uh, intercomparison between the instruments and uh, calibration needs as well as uh, the uncertainty of the sensor output. So uh, we tried to kind of uh, really digest and understand what sensors uh, do and what we can all do better.
0: Before we dive deeper into the topic and the um, instruments to um, investigate this change, let's talk about the change itself. You've mentioned that uh, the climate is changing and impacting the western part of the US uh, quite heavily. Um, How would you describe that?
1: So here in the western states, uh, it's always problem with water, but in last uh, decade, that problem is much more significant. Uh, This year, as you said at the beginning of this session, uh, the west was really hit hard with a lot of uh, storms, a few atmospheric rivers formed, which is great because it's going to help us a little bit with the water shortage, but uh, when we look backwards uh, in 10 years data we are very very behind on the amount of precipitations precipitation we were getting so um, the entire west is way uh, behind the uh, total water that we need so a lot of lakes a lot of water accumulations in the west are um, almost depleted or very close to be depleted, which uh, is very big a uh, problem, not only for uh, regular uh, day-to-day activities, but on the um, agricultural needs, because a lot of Western states depend on the agricultural production, um, and that brings us to this uh, enormous need of uh, looking at what is really going on with the climate, and it's obviously changing. Uh, In the western states, it's much drier than it should be, except this particular winter, which is kind of now an outlier, when we look into last decade. But it's close to, well, it's double the normal what uh, usually we have this winter per se. But uh, all in all, the uh, West is really getting much drier, uh, while like some other parts of the United States could uh, uh, experience completely different opposite end of the things and be more wet than normal. So this this balance in the climate is um, pretty obvious in the United States. And I think Europe What I see from news and uh, some data is facing a similar challenge, uh, depending on where in Europe uh, um, we look at, but um, climate is definitely changing all over the place.
0: It's definitely drier than it used to be uh, in the past. That's for sure with a lot of droughts, even in mid-Europe, which uh, was very rare in the past. I'm talking about the States. Victor, is that what you're observing on the eastern and northern part of states too?
2: East of the Mississippi on the east coast, uh, we have seen in above average temperatures this year. Uh, We have also seen plenty of precipitation. Uh, For us, it was in the form of rain. And we also have seen an abundance of precipitation. So we're off to a very Warm, but uh, wet uh, sp- uh, you know, throughout the winter and early spring. And um, for the people that don't like the snow, uh, I guess it's a welcome sign, uh, especially for a lot of utilities. Uh, a couple of years back, we've seen where the local governments were hindered by severe weather, ice storms, which caused plenty of disruptions uh, in the human lives. But with the very turbulent weather patterns that we're seeing across the world, um, all sorts of weather is breaking out where monster storms. Uh, winter storms are hitting the, the, the West Coast of the United States. Uh, tornadic activity hitting the Midwest. Uh, plenty of precipitation along the East Coast. And what you're seeing in uh, Europe, uh, with uh, uh, also with very turbulent uh, uh, weather patterns for it during the early part of 2023.
0: What does that mean for Meteorology as a, as an industry, as a community, what is what is changing? Do we have a higher need now for more dense networks, uh, for s- more sophisticated sensors and instrumentation? What is your observation there?
1: Absolutely. I think that uh, we are working together with the, uh, inside of our company on the new project in t- going into the mesonet. Um, like regional meteorological uh, uh, networks that uh, states are developing. Some of them are ahead of the others, Uh, just a few. Uh, But uh, all in all, it's a big focus now to uh, develop uh, this mesonet approach so we can have uh, much more ground stations developed with good quality sensors on them. So uh, meteorologists uh, can really focus on a good source of data that would come from those better stations and um, use these data in uh, models and uh, predictions. So, our uh, not only forecasts can be better, but long-time predictions or, uh, you know, calculations can also improve. Agree, Sasha. And when you take
2: these stations that are developing across the states and you implement them, Into the National Weather Service stations here in North America. We're also working with public safety, um, road weather, farming, and also with renewable energies. So, the more equipment that we have, the more accuracy that we are having when it comes not only to weather stations, but also for renewable energies, we could bring it all together marriage it, if you want to say, and have everybody use the same data across the entire uh, countryside.
0: So do you see a trend of sharing data across various companies or even industries?
2: Yes, we do.
1: Yeah, I think it's really getting there. (laughs) um more data it it looks to me like the the scientists the 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 people who really need this high, high quality data they uh, seem not to have it enough so that's why this urge is there to get more quality stations out into the uh, fields so we can get the good quality data out there absolutely i agree
0: i mean we are hearing a lot about uh machine learning, artificial intelligence, um, prediction based on historical data. When there's so much data out there, um, what is important when you try to um, when you try to collect measurements? So when you try to collect the data from the ground, what does uh, when you say high quality sensor, how would you define that? what does a really good sensor look like
1: so uh That would be a technical specifications which uh, manufacturers try to improve, right? First of all would be the sensitivity of the instrumentation, uh, better thresholds of the instrumentation so they can uh, detect uh, smaller uh, events or the smallest uh, increments of the events that they measure. Um, And then the uh, accuracy of course of the instrument itself. So how close the instrument really. Measures compared to the real value that would be uh, measured of a certain parameter, like temperature, for example. So, really, technical specifications of the sensors um, uh, are the tendency is here. The, the The trend is that the manufacturers really uh, are trying to get as close as possible to this super accurate. Uh, ideal sensor out there that would really be um, um, accurate uh, to the point of excellence, and also uh, really precise. So the smallest, uh, you know, uh, changes are uh, measured correctly and uh, in the same uh, manner uh, throughout the measurement season. It's so that what you've really been
0: discussing in the. Um conference in the um, pres- um, presentation that you had at AMS?
1: Yes, we also focused on the intercomparisons, the inter- which really brings us to this accuracy. Uh, issue because you would know how accurate your sensor is if you are comparing it to something else, especially to so-called standards that are developed by the uh, meteorological community. So, um, and also calibrations. If you don't maintain your station properly through the time, the accuracy of the station will go down because you need to constantly check against some some standard right so calibration intervals are very important um, and also uh, each sensor has some uh, uncertainty there of the output and those uh, Uh, can be addressed through uh, either calibrations or um, recalibrations on on the factory level. When I say recalibrations on the factory level would be different than what users do in the field Um, and a lot of our users can understand uh, the the procedures there. There is some limitations what regular users uh, operators of the weather stations can do in the field and at some point those sensors will need to come back into the factory so they can be professionally recalibrated um, in any kind of uh, uh, instrumentation lab that manufacturers usually uh, invest in to get the the best possible um, outcome.
0: So two factors in here. First is the sensor itself, the quality it can provide and second how it is maintained calibrated um, to continuously provide this level of quality. Correct. So we all know the uh, WMO number eight guideline, the International Standard for Meteorological Measurements, which uh, in many regards is the highest level needed. But I guess not everybody needs that high level, that's high standard of measurement quality. So when you talk about new potential users of meteorological instrumentation, What are they typically using, uh, looking for when they are approaching you? I guess they don't need the highest standard MET equipment.
1: That would really depend on users or the customers that approach us for the sensor needs. Um, if we are talking with the, the research institutions like universities and uh, federal agencies here in the United States, they will need high accuracy or higher accuracy sensors than uh, users, for example, in agricultural applications, where they don't need the research grade stations or they need. Uh, lower end of the research grade stations, but they need information that would help them uh, do uh, some agricultural operations more successfully, like disease controls in the fields or irrigation controls here in the western states, which is really important. They would understand, it, it, it will help them to understand better when, how and with what to get this control uh, more successful.
0: Victor, what examples could you think of of different kind of um, quality needed for various industries?
2: We could stay focused across our portfolio, like what Sasha said, working with high integrity sensors with university and government research. But we also reach across with the renewable energy market, where we could cater our sensors to particular the particular industries, um, whether it's solar or wind. Uh, we have sensors if for agricultural needs, um, and also our new urban flood warning systems uh, that we have a full package for, which would be site specific. Uh, setups for the, not only for the MET video and for flood monitoring. When it comes to emergency response, we could have quick deployed sensors that would be used by local emergency managers, fire departments, um, to get sensors out in a quick way. Um, And then if we're also looking for air quality, we can go with the highest level of sensors that we have, Um, known for cloud heights, a laser distrometer, accurate precipitation gauges. So with our wide range portfolio, knowing what the end user is looking for, we could work with them and customize uh, systems uh, for their applications.
0: Sasha, you talked about the agricultural uh, meteorology n- monitoring solution. What kind of sensor do you s- typically suggest there, or how does that such a station look like?
1: We are lucky to have a complete uh, uh, better station line developed inside of Hydromet and its edcon line of products. <laughs> Um, these uh, weather stations are uh, uh, designed to be quick deployed uh, with the sensors on them that that really are uh, on the research level, a great uh, ve- uh, weather instrumentation, so they're not uh, like, you know, some cheap knockoffs there that you could get. Uh, we uh, use the edcon line we are trying now to use the edcon line uh, more than just in agricultural applications even though for now that's the main focus Um, this uh, edcon line is uh, especially attractive because of a very uh small uh, compact system that is consisting of uh, which has built in uh, cellular communication uh, and the plans that our company provides uh, for uh, this uh, system data plans are very affordable, so end users can really for a small amount of money can get a lot of information out there and we can also cloud based uh, Host these data uh, and uh, provide them complete solution, which at the end would be uh, going into really the applications, um, as I said before, like irrigation control or uh, disease control or pesticide control in the agriculture and so on. Um, I would also touch basically what I think we missed in the previous uh, discussion on, on our um, um, offerings is this very successful line of road weather applications that we have as well, which we have complete different group who is working with this successfully uh, great uh, um, specialists, scientists involved into this application. Uh, We have a huge success with road weather applications and I would say we are really leaders there.
0: So different user, different needs, and that's why we offer different solutions there. So coming from agriculture and road weather to renewable energy, what kind of weather monitoring do they need?
2: I was uh, fortunate enough uh, to start my career at uh, brookhaven national laboratory and working in the emergency response um, sector in the nuclear uh, industry then in 2008 i came to kip and zoning uh taking the knowledge that i had and started working with researching researchers for renewable energy applications looking at solar monitoring and then in the recent years, the, the research now is, is a learning tool where we're going from the meteorology aspect of solar energy, climate change, to more of an engineering aspect of it and teaching the engineers, the future engineers, on how to harness the sun's radiation for renewable energy products. So we have systems uh, like sun trackers or just uh, pyranometers that would do net radiation that will take in all the aspects of the sun's energy and correlate that into how efficient are solar panels working and using the trackers with the pyranometers will actually is, is the tool to see how efficient they are. So we have high quality stations and we also have affordable stations and we're working with a number of research institutions and universities implementing these to help the students, the future engineers learn incoming solar radiation. Now, when we're looking at the renewable energy side for PV, that's using the Kippen Zonen product line. But we also have very high-quality sensors for wind renewables, and that's with our sonic anemometer line uh, from Luft. And same thing, you need to know how efficient, how how good the winds are, Uh, and these are what the future engineers in renewable energies are working
0: on especially on the offshore part when uh, you have very strong winds and you need to correlate with uh, the power output.
2: absolutely and you also anybody that's been offshore or or, or has a boat or any you know, working in the salt water environment knows how corrosive and how harsh that weather can be so any equipment that's in the field, if it's not built correctly, will not last for years on end and equipment would need to be replaced where the Luft product line as well as the Kit product line. Many of the odd product lines have been tested in these turbulent corrosive environments.
0: A lot of things to consider when you're setting up a weather monitoring station or even network. Um, I guess we touched base on a lot of things. So that's a great overview episode to start with and dive deeper into others. Uh, You mentioned MesoNets, Victor. So for people who would like to learn more about that, I recommend episode five. And uh, for the solar industry, when it comes to renewable energy, just look for episode 13 and uh, nine on some learnings from intersolar uh, in Europe and the US and one of the upcoming episodes will touch base and discuss um, soiling, the effects of soiling on solar energy performance. Um, it's a lot of things are happening at the moment and it fits perfectly the annual, um, uh, the theme of the upcoming annual meeting of AMS, which will be living in a changing world environment. I'm looking forward to uh, follow this with you guys. Thank you for your time, and goodbye. Thank you. Let's talk about the weather.